1: Baltic elves say they're taking on Russian trolls. Pakistan considers its cyber strategy. Investigation continues into the Bangladesh bank hack. More hackers are interested in going after OS kernels if the results of Pwn to Own are any indication. Apple and the Department of Justice are poised for this week's hearings. And we hear from the University of Maryland's Marcus Rauschecker, who tells us what it means to hack the Pentagon. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Monday, March 21, 2016. Social media remain a field for conflict among states and aspiring states, as ISIS resumes its push to inspire the disaffected, and disturbing levels of pro-Russian trolling resume in the Baltic states. The Baltic situation is particularly interesting. The Baltic states, Latvia, Lithuania, and Estonia have, alongside their neighbor Finland, long punched far above their weight in cyberspace, especially since the 2007 cyber-rioting Estonia suffered in the wake of a dispute with Russia over the removal of a Second World War memorial. That rioting, sometimes referred to as the first cyber war, and generally regarded as setting a template for plausibly deniable cyber action analogous to the green men's militias deployed by Russia in Ukraine, prompted Estonia and its neighbors to develop increasingly capable cyber defense capabilities. Those capabilities have also prompted volunteer efforts in information operations. The goal in Lithuania most recently has been to counteract pro-Russian trolls with benevolent elves. Current conflict is worrisome as observers in Lithuania worry that a Russian drawdown in Syria presages that country's turn toward the Baltic states, which fear that Russia will follow the template it established in Ukraine, information operations followed by initially deniable, then increasingly overt, military action. Pakistan considers its long-term interests in cyberspace as Google removes an app, Smesh App, Pakistan's ISI allegedly used in espionage against Indian targets. Patriotic cyber rioting, plausibly deniable but arguably state-inspired operations, and alleged direct attacks by state security services have long been a feature of tensions in the subcontinent. Preliminary reports on the hack of Bangladesh's central bank suggest that the thieves were patient and sophisticated, covering their tracks and planting malware intended to support the apparent legitimacy of their fraudulent transactions. Reports differ on how much was stolen. They range from a low of $81 million to a high of $101 million, but the crooks aimed much higher. They were prevented from pulling in a much larger take by alert staffers at Deutsche Bank, whose suspicions were aroused by some careless proofreading in otherwise well-crafted spearfishing emails. Some $30 million are thought to have gone to a casino junket operator. Bangladesh bank officials say, with some understatement, that recovering the funds is likely to prove difficult. The U.S. FBI is said to be assisting authorities in Bangladesh with the investigation. Since funds were transferred from a Bangladesh bank account in New York to the Philippines, FBI involvement is hardly surprising. Authorities in Bangladesh are looking into the possibility of insider involvement. Preliminary reports suggest that several sets of difficult-to-spoof biometric credentials were used to enable the theft. Bangladesh's finance minister has claimed that, of course, bank officials were complicit in the crime. In response to this theft, administrators of the finance industry's SWIFT messaging system are working to reinforce recommended security measures with banks that use the system in managing fund transfers. Pwn2Own wrapped up last week. Observers see an increased interest in achieving privilege escalation by exploiting OS kernel flaws. Of the 21 vulnerabilities on display, six were in OS kernels, six were in browsers, and the rest were either in operating system components and processes or in Flash Player. Late last week, the Department of Justice asked for an evidentiary hearing on the case of the San Bernardino jihadist's iPhone. Apple is said to regard this as a sign that the Justice Department is losing confidence in its case. Hearings are set for this week. The Department of Defense has been notably more crypto-friendly and thus more industry-friendly than has the Department of Justice. The Pentagon is in the midst of a major outreach to the tech industry. Prominently featured in that outreach is its Hack the Pentagon program, effectively an invitation to bug hunters. We spoke with Marcus Roshecker of the University of Maryland Center for Health and Homeland Security about hacking the Pentagon. We'll hear from him after the break. As the U.S. continues, we hear to prepare indictments against Iranian hackers for poking around in a virtual sense. That flood control dam in downstate New York, the cyber commentariat again returns to its favorite reassuring bedtime story. That is, of course, the squirrel threat. The Cyber Squirrel website has been tracking these and has racked up a tally of 1,139 confirmed successful squirrel attacks on critical infrastructure, which is 1,138 more so far than confirmed Iranian incursions into critical systems. We have no quarrel with squirrel awareness, although we do object to those who would impute malicious intent to the hapless squirrels themselves. But we do object to the general ignorance of the snake threat to the power grid, especially in Guam, where brown tree snakes are so much the leading cause of power failures that we hear residents, call them snake-outs. We're pleased to see that Cyber Squirrel has added snakes to their tally sheet. Bravo, Cyber Squirrel, for helping all achieve more snake awareness. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Joining me once again is Marcus Roshecker from the University of Maryland Center for Health and Homeland Security. They're one of our academic and research partners. Marcus, when we were back at RSA uh, recently, we heard about the Pentagon's new Hack the Pentagon program.
0: Right. So the Pentagon announced the Hack the Pentagon initiative. Um, this is going to be a pilot program that's going to start in April of this year. And essentially, the Pentagon, the Department of Defense, is asking outside hackers to help them find any vulnerabilities or weaknesses in their networks. This is something uh, that's sometimes referred to as a bug bounty program and we've seen this in the private sector for many years where a company will hire outsiders to try to get into their systems in order to test the security and the safety of their systems. The Hack the Pentagon program is interesting because it's really the first time that the federal government is using this kind of bug bounty program to test its systems.
1: Of course, there's no shortage of people who are trying to hack the Pentagon every day. But uh, in this program, what are the boundaries that they're setting uh, on the people who volunteer to help with this effort?
0: So anyone who's going to be involved in this program, uh, any hacker that's going to be involved, will be heavily vetted before they're allowed to participate. Uh, They'll have to undergo extensive background checks. And furthermore, uh, once they are accepted into the program, um, they're only going to be allowed to target predetermined systems by the Pentagon. Um, and any of those systems at this point will not be connected to any critical operations of the Pentagon. So that's really a, a, a way to ensure extra safety in terms of in terms of the program.
1: So does this sort of thing signal more cooperation between government and industry, in your view?
0: I think so. Um, we're seeing that government uh, is, is looking more and more towards the private sector to try to work with the private sector to enhance cybersecurity overall. And government is seeing that the private sector has a lot of solutions out there, a lot of approaches that are working on the, in the private sector. And I think uh, there's a sense that some of those valuable tools can be applied on the government side as well. So we're seeing closer and closer collaboration, I think, between the public and private sectors. Absolutely.
1: All right, Marcus Roshecker, thanks for joining us.